Can you hear this? Okay, good. I stepped on the cord in here and tried to break the machine, and it did for a minute, so I'm glad we are outside as well now. Alex, our fixer, came and fixed it. We're grateful for that. And so last week, I brought a sermon to you, and I had more feedback from this than I have in, in a number of, of months. And the sermon was this, that God has a purpose for your life and an intention for your life that he gifted you to fulfill. And uh, it's our responsibility as Christians to do what he, he made us to do. Now, that didn't sit well with people who have lived a number of their lives already. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. It's never too late to serve properly. It's never too late to serve the Lord. When you stand before the Lord, the Bible says His ways are higher than our ways. We'll look at that in depth. But the Bible says His ways are not our ways. He knows all about us. He knows what advantage we've had and what disadvantage. He knows that it is the job of every parent. And that's why I seem to be so dogmatic about this point. If you have children under your roof, it is your responsibility to teach them that God has a purpose for their life. And that would be the thing to do if you want to be fulfilled and one day stand before the Christ in obedience. He understands. I want to get that clear. He understands that you have not had that teaching before. Um, I want to say that the world talks about different things than the Bible does as far as achievement versus success. Achievement versus success in this world. The Bible has its own formula. found it when I was a young Christian. Used it many times. We talk about it now. And for those of you who are Wednesday night people who come here, the adults, and look at, at the Bible together some, I want to say this. This is redundant to our class, but you cannot hear this too much. The formula for God's idea of success is found in Joshua chapter 1. And it's found in the 7th, 8th, and ninth verses of Joshua chapter 1. Now, if, if I said last week, and it, it made you feel sad and depressed, if I said there's a job for you to do, and you need to discover that early in life as you can, and get that done, and it made you feel bad, I want you to know this, it's not too late. You're still here. You're still here. And so we're going to look at things in the Bible to talk about what to do. What am I to do? You can either you can either shut down and say, okay, I've just blown it and I'm going to live the rest of my life in a condition of, of fail. Or you can say this, Lord, here am I. What will you have me to do today? The Lord's looking for the heart. That's the success. The heart willing to serve Him. And so... In Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, he says to Joshua, Moses had died. Joshua given the reins to now lead Israel to the promised land. Very clear in chapter 1 of Joshua, the Lord said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you, Joshua, you are in charge. Here's what he said. Now listen very carefully. This is tremendous. This, in my mind, is one of the formulas of Scripture that if you understand this formula, life will go much better. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous. That's how he starts it. Be strong and very courageous. 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Do you know this? God's idea of prosperity and the world's often collide. God's idea of prosperity and what the world thinks very often collide. It's been fascinating in my life as a businessman to have other people come and say, you know that fellow, I say, yeah, I do. Well, I've heard of him, and some people I know better, and others not so well, but I've heard of him. Why? He's a very prosperous man. And then I meet the man. Got the temper of a rattlesnake, and he's, but that's how he makes that business go. Is he's, he's harsh on it. He's harsh. He's just harsh. That's what he is, but he's, he's kind of, and, and, and his employees are afraid of him. He makes a lot of money. Is that, is that success? Is that? I've been to the seminars you've been to. When you go to the end of business, they make you go to find out how to be successful. And I mostly disagree. The Lord said, Observe to do according to all the law, which is the word of God, by the way, the Bible. As Moses said, Turn not from it to the left hand or to the right, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law, and you just look at your Bible now. This is the book of the law. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. How are we going to do what's written in the Bible and, and obey it unless we know what it is? How do you know what it is unless you get in there and you make it your goal? You make it an intent. You make it your purpose to come to an understanding of what the Bible says, to a knowledge of what the Scripture contains, and then what do we do with that? Is do not let it depart from your mouth. Talk about it. Be part of the conversation of your day. You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says about that? I mean, you'd be surprised how many questions come up in a normal day of, of business, of commerce. And you say, well, you know what the Bible says about that? And 19 out of 20 people can go, no. Actually, they'll say, yeah, and give you the wrong answer. But to know what the Bible says about that. Now, do you understand with me this morning at any age, and the younger the better, but any age, when you know what the Bible says about it, there's just a peace that goes over you? The confusion is gone? What does the Bible say about that? It says, my friend, if you do that, you're not prosper. Oh, I'm, I'm already prosperous. I own three houses. My friend, the Bible says if you do that, you'll not prosper. It won't turn out well. Oh, really? Is that what it says? Well, I want to give a little short testimony before we move on. I am now much older than I was when I was younger. And I had these conversations in my youth with people who were my age. I'm not as old as I'm going to get. I, I don't know how much, but I'm not older than I was. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had these conversations all my life with people, and I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, at this age, it's coming back. Beyond 60. About 62, 65. About, just beyond 60, the fruit starts ripening on the vine. And you may think, oh, I've got my deal. You may think that. But I'm going to tell you what. 
I'm going to tell you what. Outside of the Lord's way, very simple word, outside of the Lord's way, it simply doesn't prosper. Well, you want to see the money I got from that. Well, you want to see what I can get with what I got from that. Good. Outside of God's way, it just simply won't prosper. Here's what prosperity is in this world according to the Lord. Knowing who the Lord is and knowing who you are in Him and doing everything in your power by His power to give others the same knowledge. That's it. That's it. It's not about me. It's not about... And I, I had a guy tell me, he got up one day and left the church. He got up and left the church and called me later and said, I'm not listening to that. I've worked hard for what I got. I said, I know you did. I have all kinds of admiration for people who are not lazy. All day long, I, I admire those folks. So does the Bible. The Bible says, the fool is lazy. But the, but the Lord says this, and I want you to hear this this morning very, very carefully. Be sure, and particularly from your youth, as young as you can learn this, particularly if you're raising children, learn what real, godly success is. You know how many people have a home that's... It's, it's more than I could even understand when I was a child. They didn't make them. They're making homes now that they're incredible. And the people living there like they're living in an institution. Do you know the Bible says a, a morsel, it would be a crouton in our, a crouton in a, in a corner of an attic. Sitting by yourself and nibbling on a crouton is better than a feast with someone you don't love. If you live in a house and there's not love there, don't matter how nice it looks, it's an empty feeling. It's an empty feeling. I'm telling you, number one thing, women don't put up with that very long. It will come out. Look what I built you, baby. Yeah. You have it. <laughs> I'm going to live in a trailer with that guy. And, and they come to me and say, what happened? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the prophets, the apostles, they all agree. You want success? You follow the Lord. You do what the, what the Word of God, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in day and night. What's that? It comes up in conversation all the time, and when you're standing there working with your hands and not talking to someone, your mind's rehearsing it. You're a cow chewing the cud. You are ruminating on the Word of God. What does that mean? What fuller place can I take that truth? When I compare that truth with other truths that I've known to be true in the Word of God, what does that add up to in my heart? How do I, how do I appropriate these things into my daily life so I can do the things that God has called me to do? I said in the last hour, for you people who are, are here different than the last hour, I was told as a little boy in church that my job as a Christian now, I got saved when I was 10 years old, and an old man, very nice man, well-meaning person, I'm a tremendous fellow, but all you do now, just be good. Just be a good boy. That's your job as a Christian. The Bible says it's not possible. He told me to go do something impossible, and I'll be doing the will of God, the will of the Lord. 
And so we're not to let the, the book depart, we're to talk about it, we're to meditate day and night. Is that what you think about when you roll over tonight? That verse I read today. Well, that's true. It means everything to me. And the reason that is, you talk about it in your conversations, you meditate it in your heart and mind in your alone time, and it says that the reason is that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. There is a formula for success. You know how I know it says, Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Or so you want to know how to have success? Here it is. I'm telling you, you start out with this. Very courageous and be very strong. You get in the Word of God and you see what it says. You think about what it says. You talk about what it says. You do what it says. And God said, I'm going to tell you something. doesn't matter what everybody else says. I'm going to, you, because of this truth, I've made this formula that if you follow this, you will become prosperous and successful. I know, I know couples, and I know couples who claim to be Christian couples who live in the same house, and when they do speak, it's not kind. Folks, something's wrong in that situation. I know couples who claim to be Christians who, when they do speak, it's not kindness. It's not the law of kindness. Now, folks, that is the formula. Now, I said last week that the Lord made you for intended purpose and He made you to uh, fulfill a, a work while you're here on earth. And I believe that. I'm not backing down on that, but I'm going to say this. The Lord also knows if that's the first time you heard it and you think most of your life is past, and it well may be. But today's a new day. This message is this. It's never too late. Absolutely. It is never too late. I'm going to tell you what. 95 years old and can still use your voice in your hand and, and encourage some little fellow to, to live for the Lord. And he does that. Everything that he does, you get one more because you got him. And when the fruit's counted up at the end of the, of the day, when the fruit's counted at the end of the day, you got him and all that he did. Praise God. That's Amen, on your brother. account when you meet the Lord. I am shocked. I'm almost shocked at this. My, my, even my pastor friends who say, man... I read something and now it's a new thought. And I'm like, oh, uh, thank God he gave it to you. You're still alive? It's a new idea. It's a new concept maybe. But it's a new teaching in the doctrines of Christ. This is what I'm, I'm intending to do with my life. Thank you, God, for showing me. How are we going to obey something we don't know? Why do we get angry when we find out something that he put there? I'm going to read this to you now. And it is Philippians chapter 3. It's Paul's pedigree. I, uh, you can turn there and read along. I want you just mostly to listen. It says this. Paul said this. The formula for success we gave. Paul said this. Though I might have confidence in the flesh. Paul's talking about his own personal ch achievements before he met Christ. And they are impressive in the flesh. Paul was the man. Paul was the guy... Paul was the one who, he did it. He was smart. He was active. He was, he was full of energy. He had a passion. And the reason the Lord called him, I believe, was this. He had a brain the size of a five-gallon bucket. But his heart was bigger. 
And the Lord said, I can use that man. I can use him. But here's Paul's, I call it Paul's confession. It's his pedigree. He said, though I might have more confidence in the flesh, if any other man think he hath more, if you think you have worth to trust, I more. He said, you think you got something to brag about? I got more than you do. <laughs> How about that now for bragging? You think you have it going? I've got it going. Circumcised. Here's his pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Not only that, better than that, of the tribe of Benjamin. That's better than just being Israelite. I'm from a Benjamin tribe. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. That's touching the law. A Pharisee. Boy, they were proud, weren't they? They wouldn't let Jesus say anything without shooting at him. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Can you imagine that? I'm the man. I've done it all right, exactly right. Philippians 3 and verse 7 says, But, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ? Yea, doubtless I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Everything I've achieved in this life and for all the certificates I've gotten, for all the money I've put in the bank and the things I've bought with all my achievements, I'm throwing it away today. It's gone. I count it as dung. You know what dung is? That's a nice word, isn't it? You don't hear that in our public much anymore, but you hear the other words. But he said, I count that as excrement, waste. Why? Because I might know him. I mean, Paul knew him. But this is a different knowledge he's talking about. He said, that I might really, really have an intimacy with Jesus Christ. I want to just level with you as I go on here this morning. If you don't have that desire in you, I think there's something wrong with your heart. Don't judge me. Yeah, that's what you're saying. I think if you don't want an intimacy with Jesus Christ, this is God. I've had people come in for years and say, I was there in the front row with Frank Sinatra. I shook hands with Elvis. I, I have met in my life and sat with and had conversations with four of the movie stars of this world. I'd really know Jesus. Some people just say, they act crazy with someone who, and by the way, for what they're doing in the world right now, if you want to be around them, there's something wrong with you anyway. But I want to say this to you. Paul said, I, I suffer the loss of all of my earthly achievements, that I can, might know Christ, know Him better. And if you are hanging on, if you're going to hang on, if you're going to say, I earned this, I worked hard, I'm going to have this, this is me, that is me. You ought to hear what your friends say when you leave the room. Your competitors are not, are, are not bragging on you. Now, you can say I'm lying if you want to, but I'm telling you this. No one's as impressed as you are. 
And if it's not winning souls to the kingdom, it's all going to be gone anyway. Everything you've done is going to be one day called ashes. Gone. What do you leave your kids? The idea that this is more important than Jesus Christ. The idea that while I left you, you can move in there with that whoever you're moving in with and have these things, but you know what? Real joy, success, fulfillment does not come from things. If you can't see that, you're not looking. If you can't look across this world today and see that success doesn't come from ownership of things, you're not looking and you're not listening. And you're not even listening to your own heart. You know what a brand new eight hundred thousand dollar truck is the second day you own it? It's a used truck. And that's right. And that's right. They said yesterday it's worth eighty six thousand. It's loaded. Take it back and say you change your mind. It's worth forty two today. It lost half its value because you decided you didn't want it. You think I'm kidding? Go do that. Paul said, I, I just want to know Jesus. I want an intimacy with him that is so strong that I know him better than I can know anybody in this world. And he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You remember in Romans 12, he said, be not conformed to this world. He meant it. He said, I want to be conformed to Christ, not this world. Conformed means this, made in the image of, made. You let the world shape you, tell you who you are, what you should be doing. Let the world tell you. Paul said, I'm... Look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained... Either we're already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended in Christ. You know what that means? To let, apprehend means to lay hold of and make my own. He said, I want to lay hold of and make my own the reason that Christ laid hold of me and made me his own. Isn't that simple? Isn't that easy? He said, I want to make my own I want to be apprehended. I want to make my own the reason that Christ made me his own and follow that rule. It's very simple. It's very simple. The Lord, the Lord saved me and called me and made me his own. Now I want to make my own why he did that. Did he do that so I could have everything I ever look at in this world? No. Did he do that so I could be more like him and lead others to his kingdom? Yes, that's the answer. Also, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Well, God, my life's already over. I can't, it's not over. You're listening to me, you're breathing, you can press toward the mark. There's a new beginning. There's a reason for you being here, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I press toward the mark of the prize of high calling. Listen to what Job said. This is in the middle of the book of Job. 
This is in the middle of the book of Job. I want you to hear what he said because we're going to end up with what God said about it. I don't want you to be encouraged by this. In 17 uh, of Job, in verse 11, Job 17, 11, here's what Job said. My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart. Do you hear me? Job was discouraged. He couldn't see out of the darkness he was in. His friends were making it worse. The Lord seemed to be so far away that Job said this. The Lord has hedged himself in and he has hedged me out. I can't get to him anymore. He won't listen to me. I'm in the, he said, I'm in the grip of death and God has turned away. That's Job's thinking. And so when all seems to be lost, we come to a place, and you hear a sermon like we said last week, and, and it, it's, it, I got a lot of uh, remarks from that. And I'm here to tell you, today's a brand new day. And Job was in a place where he said, my days are past. My purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. And you get in that place, and so the teaching begins to sound tough. When you start listening to the Bible, you read the Bible, you hear a sermon. If someone's preaching the Bible, it starts to sound pretty harsh. You think, I, I've blown it. I've blown it. I have nothing I can do, and now I'm hearing what should be done in the life of a Christian. What can I do? Job said, my days are past. My purposes are broken. Listen to what, this is the book of Ecclesiastes. This is the answer of the wisest man who ever lived. And the book of Ecclesiastes, by the way, is the, the plight of a person who's living outside the purpose of Christ. The whole reason for the book of Ecclesiastes is what life is lived outside of God's control. Nothing new under the sun. Vanity of vanity. In, in the second verse of, of Ecclesiastes, you have the word vanity, which means emptiness, used five times. And I would challenge you this. Use that word five times in a sentence and see how you have to construct it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is is Five times, he says vanity, emptiness, nothing, worthlessness, void. And so here's what he says at the conclusion of the book. Now this is the, this is the wise pre uh, preacher. He says in the 12th of uh, Ecclesiastes, the preacher sought out to find acceptable words. And by the way, that's my whole life. The preacher sought out to find acceptable words. My whole thrust in the week as I prepare these days is that I can say to you something you will accept out of what God and will accept from me as well. To give you the truth of the Word of God in a way that you can swallow it, understand it. But the preacher sought to find out acceptable words and that which was written was upright, even the words of truth. Yeah. The words of the wise are as goads, goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. You know what a goad is used for? Poke an animal on the backside to get it moving. The long ones they use, they push them over in Africa anyway, they, they had a long stick and they, they would take a knife and sharpen the end of it. And they'd stick the donkey, the cow, the ox, or whatever it was, leading to pulling, pulling whatever it was, they'd stick it behind the ears and they'd, they'd get moving. 
That's a goad. And so the difference is we have the goads and the nails. The goads will prompt you to movement. The nails fasten it tight. The words of the Bible, the words of the wise, they move you into a different direction. And they keep you securely there. That's the words of a preacher. That's what, that's what Solomon said. And the preacher sought to find out acceptable words that would move you and keep you there. And further by these, my son, be admonished of the making many books there is no end, and much study is weariness of flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He gives 12 chapters as we have it. A letter that's 12 chapters long. And the conclusion of the entire matter of living for sex and money and things and all the world can offer. Here's the conclusion of the wise preacher of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because, for this is the whole of man. This is the whole duty of man. And I looked that up and duty, I don't know particularly why that's in there. That is a word that's placed in there. You see it italicized. But this is the whole of man. And I looked that up and it says, keep his commandments. Fear the Lord, fear God, keep his commandments, for this makes you a whole man. That's what the statement is. For God shall bring every work into judgment, whether with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Proverbs 15 and 22 says this, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Be careful who counsels you. All right, so the question is, which way should I go? Which way should I go? Let's look at the hope of it now. Let's look at the hope of it's never too late. Proverbs 14 and 12 says this, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. There are ways that seem right unto a man. Isaiah 55 and 8, the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What if we decide, what if we feel like life is blown? We've blown it. It's over. We, we, it's a waste. I can't, I can't go back and get those years. The Lord said, you don't know my thoughts. You don't know what I'm going to do with you. That's true. Romans 8 and 28, one of our favorite memory verses. For we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good to them who love God. That is... That's the sticker to them that love God. To them who are the called according to what? His purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, the Lord says, For I know the thoughts that you think toward me. That's not what it says. I know the thoughts the Lord says I think toward you. The Lord says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you an expected end. How can the Lord take a life that didn't even know that I was here to do a job? 
and make him stand before the Lord in, in his presence. And I'm going to give you your expected end. How's he going to do that? I don't know. His thoughts are not my thoughts, and his ways are not my ways. I don't know how he's going to do that. He's God. That's not my business. But it's his promise. Isaiah 61 and 3 says, To appoint to them that mourn in Zion. What do they mourn about? They ravished the city and, and burned down the temple. And the old men sat and cried. It said the old men sat and cried. They hung their bows in the trees and their harps, and they sat and lamented and cried. And here's what Isaiah said. To appoint to them in mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. That's right. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is what it says. The Lord will give beauty for ashes, praise for heaviness, and he'll be glorified through it. Remember, glorification means this, to reflect his likeness. Jeremiah 32 and verse 18, listen to this. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompense the iniquity of the fathers to the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, that's his name. Great in counsel, mighty in work, for thine eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give every one according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was always before the Lord. He said, my tears run down like rivers. David sat down on his bed several times. My, my pillow is wet. My tears flow like rivers. My bed is wet with my tears. One of the songs I learned as a child and I enjoyed when they played it in church was Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Made me think about the Lord's faithfulness. When I was a boy, even a boy, I, I knew one thing. I wasn't faithful to him. But he's faithful to me. I would hear that song on Sunday played by the organist there in Little Church. Little Church. I bet there I bet there weren't 45 people there. I don't know. But we went to a little church in the country when we were kids and one of, the, one of the neighbor girls would get up and play the organ there. And we'd sing about every other Sunday. It was one of her favorites, apparently, or she played it well or something. Great is thy faithfulness. It, it is good. Morning by morning, thy mercies are new. And when I came to that song, I never sang that song, I listened to it. I would just listen to the congregation of old farmers in there. You know those guys that come in and take off their hat and their head's white and their ears are brown? You know those guys? 
their head was white as snow and there was a ring around their head about their eyebrow level and it was brown, brown, brown. Hands were brown, arms were white. They were dressed up in different clothes so you could see the difference in it. They would stand in the back and sing the best they could. Morning by morning, have mercies are new. When that song was played in the church when I was a little boy, I, I loved the words, and I didn't know where it was at. I never knew where it was at. I came across that in Lamentation in Bible study when I thought, well, there, that's like Ecclesiastes 3. Turn, turn, turn. Do everything there is a purpose. There's a season under heaven. It's time to be born, time to die, time to win, time to sow. Time to build up, a time to tear down. There's even a time to kill, according to the Lord. But I came across that. Well, there's another song. And here's what it says. It's Lamentations 3 and 22. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Do you understand that this morning? If God was a vengeful... Now, I'm saying this. If God was a vengeful God, and He was looking for a reason to take us down, He has plenty. If he was for, looking for a reason to destroy us, he had all, all the information he needs. And it didn't today. We didn't just pass that line today. If God was looking for a reason not to give us an expected end or to, or to fulfill our days and our purposes, it wouldn't be a problem for him at all. But every morning, he said, my mercies are new. Every morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassion failed not. I don't know about you. And frankly, I'm not going to probably even be too concerned about it while I'm standing before the Lord. But I'm interested in His compassion when I stand there. How about you? And if you think I'm giving you a message saying this, I fulfill what the Lord called me to do. It's up to you. I don't believe that for one second. I don't believe I fulfill the Lord's promises or His plan for my life. I don't believe that for one second. But I know this. Every morning I say, Lord, what would you have me do? I failed Him a million ways. And He's never failed me. He's never failed me. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 22 and 23. The whole verse is this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now I want to end this morning with this. I want to end with the fact that Job said, as I heard last week from several people here, Job said, my days are past. My purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. What can I possibly do? I've lived my life, and what's, what can I do now? Well, first of all, if you're saying that, you haven't lived your life. The majority of it, okay. Are you done? That's up to you. I don't think so. For when... For when Jeremiah teaches us, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. 
Listen, I want you to hear this paraphrase. I want you to hear this, not paraphrase, but I want you to hear it how it's written in the uh, Christian Standard Bible, or the Christian Study Bible. Listen to just the little difference of how it's translated. Here's what Job said. My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. Here's what the Christian Study Bible says. My days have slipped by. My plans have been ruined. Even things dear to my heart. You feel that way? Don't feel that way. God has other plans. I want to end with this. It's out of the book of Job. It's Job 42. And so listen to this. Uh, God has other plans, I'm telling you. If you want to give up right now and say this, I'm 60, uh, how old am I? 63 this year. I'm 63 this year. And if I learned that truth last week, which I haven't understood it very long in my life, if I learned at 63 this year that, oh, I didn't understand that when I was 20 years old. I didn't understand that when I was raising my children. I didn't know the fullness of that along the way. And then you stop. Aren't you going to feel silly at 83? The last 20 years, I just had to sit here and lament the fact that I didn't do what I should have maybe when my younger years slipped away. These verses are new every morning. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do right now. Job 42 and verse 10. It says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. He righted everything. All of his friends came and said, Job, you're a proud loser. You had, it looked like you had it going on because you had so much prosperity, but you were against God somehow, and he just finally pulled the trigger. But it said the Lord turned the captivity of Job, listen very carefully, when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And there came unto him all of his brethren and all of his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and a golden earring. Listen carefully now. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. You hear it? Mm -hmm. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. You know, that's twice as many because the others were killed and he didn't lose them, still had them. He doubled everything for Job. In his last days, in his last hours, he doubled everything for Job. You want to know why? Job persevered. You want to know when Job understood what the answer was? The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. If you're listening this morning and you're still able to think, I'll tell you what this church needs and what this world needs more than anything else. Prayer warriors. The Christian body that's in the world today needs people to pray. I tell you this and people look at me and they, I'm, I'm laughed at now. I'm 
scoffed at some ways, but I want to say this to you. Last year, when two million Christians went to Washington and spent their day praying and confessing before God, I'm telling you this, it changed everything. I'm telling you, you can't see it, you don't know it, that doesn't mean it's not real. You can't see my liver, but it's working. I'm going to tell you something. Last year, when over two million Christians stood at the capital of our nation, or whatever it is, they stood there in Washington, and they confessed before everyone else, but mostly before God in heaven, our sin, and committed themselves to repent. I believe. I felt the Spirit. I believe. It changed the world. It changed the nation. It changed the outcome. It changed the future of the entire world when America did that. And you say, it's a hot mess. It is. It is. The Lord doesn't do things overnight. You're elephant. Do you know what he said to Adam and Eve? The day that you sin, you shall die. And they woke up the next day and said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm here. The best part of them was gone. The Spirit had departed. Gone. The Spirit of God they were, they were given was gone. No more fellowship of the Spirit. No more direction. No more discernment from the Spirit. And they thought, well, we, we made it through. We, we escaped this thing. Can I tell you this? For what's going on in the world today, the only, the only person who can fix it is God. And he's on it. You know what he said all the way through his word? If my children will humble themselves and pray now. If my children will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven. And I'll move my hand. Well, I think the movement is being, I think he's moving it now. We haven't seen the end of this thing, but he's moving it now. I believe that with everything in me. Just because I don't know what's going on. I've never known what's going on on the throne of God. But I'll tell you what, it's going on. And it's always been there. Amen, brother. It's going on. It's going on. And you know what God's going to do at the end of this whole matter? What he said he would do. God's going to do what he said he would do. He said to us, through King Solomon, men have many plans and devices in their life, but it is my plan and my purpose that will stand. Yeah. And man, I believe that. I believe that. Now, are we supposed to do, a, is there a work we're supposed to do and we're going to whine now because we're halfway through life or better than that? We didn't understand it. The Lord said, I know the thoughts I think toward you. Do you know it's not rebellion if you didn't know what the, <laughs> what the, what the call was? When you read the verse in the, in the 21st of, of Revelation, verse 5, and it said God is going to come down with a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. He's going to come down. And all of us who didn't get thrown into the lake of fire, all the people who were born again. And I've said this before, and I want you to consider it. He said, I'm going to wipe away all tears from your eyes. Man, what are we crying about? what we're crying about. Certainly my, my understanding and what I think I'm going to be crying about is she didn't make it. 
He is not here. Where'd they go? Mom? Dad? A brother? I lived next to that lady for 27 years and she's not here with me. That's not a heartbreaking thing. What is? Oh, God, you're gone. They perished. You know why? I had a flourishing business. God, I did some things. I did some things. But you know what the Lord says? I'll make it work out. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. They're not going to be there, folks. It's not going to be your fault. They're not going to be there because they chose not to be there. Everybody has a choice. But surely we're going to stand there one day looking around going, what else could I have done? What could I have said? If you didn't understand before yes, last week or, or last month or whenever you heard me say this, and you may not even believe it, but if you didn't understand that you're born and made and created and given life for a purpose, I want you to know something. You stand with about 95% of Christians. But I know this. It goes back to my parents didn't tell me. But their parents didn't tell them. And it goes back to Adam. It goes back to Adam. That's why the Apostle Paul said, you know what? They can cut my back. They can cut my back until my bowels fall out with a whip. I'm going to try to get one more to understand this thing. God loves you. He wants you to be with him forever. And all you have to do is submit. Bow your knee. Humble yourself. Admit you're a sinner. Ask him to be your savior and he'll take you straight to heaven. If it was worth Paul being beaten so badly he had to heal up before he could go speak again, how much is it worth to us to share the gospel with those around us? If we understood the worth of a soul, one soul, one. Yeah. And here, listen now. I'm thinking, I always thought that this way as a young Christian, the worth of a soul. God died. Jesus Christ came and died. He died. One would have died. He'd have come for one. I believe that. The value of a soul. And we think, well, that's right, because we tell them they don't get to heaven, the value of a soul. In my last years, I'm changing my mind to this. The value of the soul that's not going to be there. We'll have no memory of that in heaven. There would, you couldn't have heaven and, and, and have that be in your heart. But when we stand there and we're going home with the Lord and we look around, we're dead. Is all my family's here? Is it? it? Oh, really? They said they believed. They said so. What happened? Other things got in the way. I'm just saying this. 
His mercies are new every morning. You know, when Job's captivity was turned away, when he prayed for his friends. You don't, I don't care how old you are, you start a prayer warrior. You start being a prayer warrior, you'll delight the heart of God and he'll welcome you home with open arms. Prayer moves God. He promised that. Prayer moves God. We pray, and I'll tell you what, you have these prayer pals here. I don't know what you think of that, but I think it's the most important thing this church does. Young level Sunday school and prayer pals is the most important thing this church does. Amen, brother. Somebody I know, pray for me. I know that I know that somebody prayed for me when I was young. I know it. I could feel it. Who are you praying for? I can't do anything. My life's past. My purposes are broken. I didn't know these things. It's past. And I can't. Boy, and here's what people tell me. What a warrior I'd have been if I'd known that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're delightful now. What I would have done. Well, I'm going to tell you this about that mindset. You knew right from wrong a long time ago. You chose wrong a lot, just like me. But the Lord's mercies are new every morning. You want your life to count now? Serve Him now. Be a prayer warrior now. Now. Right? Praise God. Oh, Father, we thank you for this hour. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. And your compassion does not fail. We'll come home one day, all of us, as disobedient children, one way or the other. But you'll welcome us home. And so, Father, we just ask now as we conclude this hour that we would understand. If we think this is an issue that changes things, we know very little about your scriptures. If we knew what it said, knew what it meant, and saw the ramifications, Father, in my heart, I know that our life would change in this hour. If we could see what's in store, if we could see what the ramifications of our business here is, of our doing and our not doing, of the things you've made us, intended us, give us purpose and power to do, if we could see that, Lord, I know that things would, but you've made it this way. We have to come by faith. And so great, and so Father, today we know great is your faithfulness. We're praying for ours to be greater. Help us to believe deeper, to understand greater, to love you more. Because that's the way you motivate us, through faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray this group get into the word. I pray this group get into the word with a passion and diligence that they would come to an understanding greater day by day of who you are because that 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 will direct us to do your will thank you now for this hour be with us this week bring us together here on Wednesday now that we might discuss your word bless every family here bless our futures bless our children now particularly we pray keep them from evil in Jesus name Amen